hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Howdy and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Do you ever feel like, you know, you're too small to make a difference or you you don't have enough to offer this world or who's ever going to believe in, who's ever going to believe in any in what I do and, you know, I'm not good enough and all of that kind of rubbish, you know, we all go through that and we all experience it. But I tell you what, when you truly listen and feel to who you really are authentically and to really to what's important to you and step into your heart and follow that incredible things happen. Now, I have got an amazing guest today, Ian Spears, and he's going to tell us all about all these little stories and all the things that he's done to bring amazing people, amazing people like the Dalai Lama and Mother Teresa, you know, to events and make a massive impact in the world. You want to hear what he's doing. You're going to love this. Let me introduce him. Ian Spears is a co-founder of One Better World Collective, which is a non-profit organization and multi-platform initiative with a 10-year strategy to equip people everywhere to act upon the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and Agenda 2030 through a transformational message of love, founded upon principles of human dignity and universal responsibility. In addition, Ian is presently establishing a parent project to One Better World Collective, which is Enceterra, a sustainability-focused incubator. Ian is also the co-founder of the national NGO, I Love First Peoples, which works to support Indigenous peoples, providing Ian the opportunity to work directly with over 90 First Nations and Inuit communities. Ian's most memorable achievement is having brought Mother Teresa to Canada for the first time and spent four unforgettable days with her. More recently, Ian initiated an historic online event uniting 13 cutting-edge influencers and changemakers to seek guidance from the Dalai Lama to deliver actionable hope for all of humanity. Ian is the president of Elite Vision Communications, an artist and event management company through which he organizes national film and music tours. He is also a mentor and life coach to many. Welcome, Ian. Uh, it's such an honor to be here, Karen. Uh, love what you do for the world and uh, just honored to be a part of uh, part of this podcast today. Uh, well, I'm, I love what you do too. This is a mutual admiration society between the pair of us and <laughs> you. I, I am so proud to be part of the One Better World Collective, but we will talk about that as we go. But Ian, you're just doing some um, amazing stuff, you know, globally, like mm. you're connecting all these globe, global leaders and people who are, are working to make a better world. And, I, you know, I can't applaud you enough and I, I can't admire you enough, even though you don't do it for that. But, you know, and you're also making some very big waves in the whole, in the whole worldwide industry of creating better stuff. But are you, have you always been driven to create a better world or was there a catalyst somewhere along your way? That's a good question, Karen. Thank you, of course, for asking that. And um, of course, my parents would say that I was very driven to drive them crazy when I was young, but that's another story. Um, so yes, actually, at the age of eight, uh, I, I quite remember exactly the time when a little spark started inside of me that one day I would help humanity and the planet. Now, as an eight-year-old, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about it. I didn't understand that. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to be a hockey player like most Canadians uh, want to be when they're growing up, much like you want to be a, a rugger in, in Australia or a, a footballer in England. Let's not talk too much about England, but I think they're still crying after losing to Italy, but that's another story. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but, but yes, no, the spark started when I was eight and it, it continued 
from time to time, I kept reflecting back on that as the spark grew more into a smaller flame. Um, when I got into college, uh, one of the electives I studied was in ecology and the environment. And uh, again, I didn't know why I really took that. But uh, while in the class and in that course, um, again, that, that, that spark was growing, the flame was getting brighter, very intentional in my, in my passion to do something to help humanity and the planet. And out of that uh, foundation, honestly, um, I began to think about organizing my first humanitarian event, and um, which was crazy. I had no money, no experience, a bunch of naysayers, Karen, you know, during those yeah. days in the 70s, you know, in the 80s, like, what are you going to do to change the world? Who are you? You know, you forget it. Just sit back and let someone else do it. And so, you know, a part of me listened to that and, okay, I'll find some people that will maybe carry the burden or vision I have and I'll be a fly in the wall and I'll watch them do all the work. That way I don't have to be responsible if something doesn't happen positively. I was thinking, of course, I was thinking like that at the time, organized a meeting, brought a bunch of people together, 150 people showed up, like, fantastic, we'll find some leaders out of this group, no doubt. And so we had a big vote and they all voted for me, Karen. Oh no, I said, you gotta get, you got it this wrong. You get the wrong person. I'm not the guy. I'm just someone that wants to be a fly in the wall and follow your leadership. No, 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 no. You're the visionary. And that's how it started really. And so that event led into uh, me writing to the prime minister's office. (laughs) Imagine this as a young man writing to the prime minister's office back in the day, right? Writing a letter, mail it into the prime minister's office. They get it. They read it. I'm requesting an event on Parliament Hill in Ottawa in front of the government buildings, right? (laughs) How crazy is that? What a way to start off your first event. So they write back literally a week later, we are giving you permission to use Parliament Hill for your event. Well, I was so excited. This is my first event. I got permission to use probably the best place in the entire country in Canada, right there where everybody can see it. Only problem is we didn't have a keynote speaker or anything else. So I'm like, okay, keynote speaker. Who's the best humanitarian? This was 87. Uh, I know who that would be. So I literally dial phone, called the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta, and it was just like this. Hello? Yes? (laughs) Is Mother Teresa there? Um. She's busy stopping a war in the Middle East right now. But if you call back next week, she should be back here. Thank you. Click. Call back a week later. This is exactly how it happened. Hello, Ian. Oh, she knew my first name. First time someone of any dignity of that level as a global humanitarian had ever called me by my first name. That resonated to this day. I still remember that. Mm. Ian, what can I do to help you? Oh, wow. I said, I would love you to be a keynote speaker at an event we're organizing in Ottawa for September of the following year, which was 88. She said, I'll pray about it. Give me a call back in a week. And I'll give you an answer. This, this week thing was becoming, you know, the thing back then. Yes. So I waited another week, <laughs> called back. And this is exactly what she said. Ian, the second I began to pray, God said, go to Canada, be a part of whatever Ian is doing, and be supportive. Wow. I knew that 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 flame was there for a reason. And I knew that destiny and fate had combined and converged upon that moment. My My life changed, Karen. I mean, I had... I had people who had never talked to me were calling me. I had dignitaries, pol- you know, politicians, senators uh, on, on Parliament Hill, uh, you know, diplomats calling me. We heard that Mother Teresa's coming. We'll take over from here. And I said, it's funny. I said, no, actually, you won't. But I'll be able there to be with you to help facilitate this thing. You're great at organizing tours. You do that. I'll follow. And that's how it was. And so incredible, incredible time spent with her. Um, really became, for me today, the foundational core belief system of what it means to be a humanitarian, what it means to lay one's life down for the betterment of society, for a community. 
what it means to go into the deepest, darkest, hardest places on earth to lay aside your own personal differences and say, look, what can I do to help exalt somebody else or to step into their suffering and be that person to help them? And so I learned that thankfully and was honored to learn that early on from her example. So really, honestly, it wasn't the Roman Catholic thing for me. It was just her example of what it is as a woman. Imagine back then, uh, one of the greatest women leaders of all time. And to have learned from her, I was so honored and privileged. I'll tell you a quick, 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 you know, you can edit, edit this out later if you want, Karen. But oh, no, I'm I, I loving mu- this. You tell me. <laughs> I, I, I must tell you this, because this is a thing in Quebec and Canada, which everybody loves up here. And you'll appreciate this. If it's not already in Australia, we'll make sure we get this to you. Yeah. So um, what happened was we were driving from Montreal to Quebec City. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, uh, it was the fall. She was hungry. And I'm like, geez, what do you feed Mother Teresa? You know, like, I don't know. Geez, uh, what, what does she eat? I never thought to, to ask that. I thought the tour guides would, would know all this stuff. But I'm in the backseat with her and I'm thinking, gee, well, what, what about a club sandwich? And, and, and uh, a specialty that they have in Quebec called poutine. And she says, well, what, what is this club sandwich? And I, I described, the, you know, the turkey and the bacon and, and whatnot in the sandwich. And, she's, and, and I, she said, that sounds good. And she says, what is this poutine you talk about? I said, oh, that is, a, that is a delicacy in Quebec. That's French fries with curds and gravy. Famous in Quebec. Become world famous now. And so she says, well, that sounds good. So pull off to a roadside diner. I've got Mother Teresa in the back seat. Run into this little diner and in French, French diner. And I'm, I'm speaking to him in French as I can do and did and asked him for the best club sandwich and poutine he'd ever made. And he says, why are you asking for the best? It's always good here. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. He says, why? I said, well, do you know who's in town here? He says, well, yes. And of course, we looked at the newspaper racks and on the three top newspapers, she's on the front cover of all of them. He says, La Mère Teresa, Mother Teresa's in town. I said, yes, she is. I said, look out your window. So he looks out. He goes, oh, my God. And he sees the profile in the back seat and he's running around, makes the sandwich and makes the puts in. And I run back into the car and sit down. And of course, everyone's waiting to hear what the response will be as they're watching this now. She takes a bite of the club sandwich and goes, this is good. This is good. And she tries the puts in. But this is very, very, very good. (laughs) And that, and that, that was for me one of the most hilarious moments I think we spent together out of all the wonderful other things that happened during that trip, which I don't have time for now to talk about, but my goodness, what uh, an event of a lifetime. We had 50,000 people turn up for the event. It changed the fabric of how people dealt with each other in Canada back then. First time ever where people from different religions and, and backgrounds got together. First time ever in the country. And so, you know, you can't look at that, uh, you know, before and figure out this is going to happen. But if you are led by the universe to do the things which matter most to the hearts of people without judgment, without political or religious influence, you can, in, in fact, affect all the religious and political world by doing it. So I learned fast and early. I'm going to keep out of that realm. I'm going to focus on being a humanitarian working together with everybody from every background. I know you love the rainbows and the colors of the SDGs around this circle for yeah. a reason. <laughs> and the, rain, the rainbow is actually a logo that we have for our, our indigenous work we do with First Peoples, which I can talk about in the, later on in the interview. But uh, very important to work yeah. with everybody. Don't be judgmental. People have a rough life. You don't know what they're going through. Leave it aside. Let's be open and listen. Yep. Listen, listen, listen before we start speaking. Yep. So that's a long-winded answer to your question, Karen. <laughs> well, I absolutely love it. <laughs> I love that. And it's just, there's so much in that. You know, it's just well, one, you know, Mother Teresa is just a normal person. Well, was, you know, just just wants to travel around and enjoy the, enjoy the local things. But also the fact that she even answered the phone and called you by your name, like that's so special mm-hmm. and it's, 
it just goes to show how much humility she had and how much humanity, you know, just to, to not be too proud to come to the phone, you know, and to, and to not to be too proud to say, well, who's Ian? I don't even know him, you know, just to treat you as, as a friend and at her own level. And the fact that yes. she came and, and the fact that you brought so many people together, the fact that you didn't even want to be a leader and then look what you did. <laughs> I mean, there is just, there is gold everywhere in that story just so many gold nuggets and so it's amazing with you know the leadership stuff you know you, you didn't want to take on that leadership position and no, no, it's no. it's incredible you know there's so many people out there who who don't see themselves as leaders and yet they're doing amazing stuff and you know this this uh leadership thing I was talking at the other night you know is a gorgeous young woman come up and said to me you know oh I'm, I'm doing this I'm doing that and I said oh wow that's such good leadership she said oh no I'm not I'm not a leader and I'm yeah, of course you're a leader. You're leading people to do this and you're leading change in the world and you're leading others to recognise something that's important. That's leadership. You know, that is massive. She said, I just can't grab that title. And I said, you need to grab that and run with it because, because the world needs people who are acting in that way to make the world better. So, and you're, you're evidence of it. Like you're just, you know, you, you were too, so scared. Karen, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. I mean, you know, I, I said that I didn't want to be a leader, but there was a reason for that. And I'll, I'll share this uh, with you now and with, with, the, with the viewing audience. Um, I was adopted and I remember, and I might have shared this with you before. I don't know if I, if I did or not, but uh, I might have been, goodness, uh, two or three years old maximum. And I remember my parents had a party over in the, in the, in the living room and down the hall where my bedroom was at my door was open. And uh, I remember uh, some of uh, a couple that were talking to my parents, and they said, so he's adopted. So he's a bastard child, is he? And I remember, uh, you know, just the impact at a young age that that had on me, why I'm, I'm not loved, I'm, I'm not accepted. <laughs> what does that mean? I never talked to them about it as a child, but it always stuck. It stuck mm -hmm. inside. And because of that, it became a hindrance and it actually developed into anxiety. So I had, I had really struggled with bad anxiety. Man, I couldn't be sitting in public. I'd be sweating and I'd have to hide. It was horrible. I never went for any counseling. I never went on any medication. But uh, only these events in my life, um, meeting Mother Teresa, and kind of after that, um, that just disappeared. Mm -hmm. That anxiety was gone because of the confidence of stepping into a leadership role that I didn't think I ever deserved. Mm. You know, I didn't, I didn't deserve it. That was deep in my psyche before. And so even accepting that I was reluctant to accept the leadership role. And even to this day, I don't see it now as a hindrance or a weakness. It's a strength to me because I need to stay humble. I need to stay in that place of humility in order to make sure that I do consider others more highly than myself, to be more concerned about them than myself. And I think that's the motto that Mother Teresa taught me. And I think that still is important to me to be in that place of humility. So humility to me really is, um, I believe, um, the most important point of being a leader. I think if you can stay in that place, I mean, be persuasive, be influential, be inspirational, go rah, rah, rah. But at the same time, recognize that we got to be in the low, humble place in order to draw attention to others. So, yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Humility is just—it's the—it's the bee's knees, and you know those things used to be seen as fluffy extras. You know, I, I just put something on LinkedIn this morning about that. You know, kindness. Um, you know, caring for one another, empathy, humility, vulnerability, all of that stuff used to be seen as, and still is often seen as a fluffy extras and weakness. And, and it's the complete opposite. It is the absolute necessity. It's the core necessity of being a good leader. But hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll convince more people of that and we'll, we'll hit a tipping point for good. But Anyway, but you talked about those um, rainbow circles behind you. So some, some will be hearing this on audio, but this is also on YouTube. And Ian's got the rainbow colours of the One Better World Collective logo behind him. So yes. 
you started One Better World Collective, and why did you start that? And what what did you hope would it would? How did you hope it would impact the world? Thank you, Karen. And so um, I, I need to go back a little bit. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take too much time in explaining things, but <laughs> every story's got a story with me. Yeah. And so uh, I can never just answer it straight out because everything links to everything else. Yeah. Um, so the rainbow the work with Indigenous people. So this is really uh, an important part of the story of One Better World Collective, the colors of the sustainable development goals, et cetera. And so I'd say probably uh, in the late 90s, um, I had an experience, I'm going to call it a natural experience. How's that? Yeah. Um, where um, a rainbow, the end of the rainbow appeared in my front lawn um, <laughs> like that. And I'm like, okay, um, haven't seen this before. Uh, didn't know that existed. There wasn't a pot of gold, by the way, uh, <laughs> or leprechauns dancing around. But, uh, and so, uh, it was significant to me because I was in the middle of organizing an event and I had a, somebody in the other side of the country tell me, uh, if you see a sign, you'll know you're supposed to continue with this event. Like you did, that's all he said. I'm like, you're kidding me. That's your, your wisdom and your advice. And so, uh, and then this happened and I'm like, <laughs> what does he know that I don't know? Anyways, I called him back. I said, well, if this ain't a sign, I don't know what is. And I talked about the end of the rainbow. Fast forward that. Uh, oh, sorry. So that happened. And then that flame, that famous flame began to burn again inside of me. And what I understood is, I don't know, an interpretation of sorts, whatever you want to call it. I just understood what that meant. There was a day coming when uh, among French and English people in Quebec and among indigenous people, there would be healing among the, among the languages yeah. and that that would spread across Canada and go around the world. Now, this yeah. is in the nineties. Fast forwarding ahead, I didn't even know Jose, my better half at all at that time. She had a similar rainbow experience, end of the rainbow in a water, sacred water, First Nations people with her two boys that saw it. Wow. I had a couple that witnessed what I saw, thank God. But she also had the same thing with her two boys. We didn't know that about each other. So when we got together and shared that, I don't know anybody else to this day that's had that experience, nor does she. But we've had many since then together. And also, we've had people with us that have seen it happen while they've been with us. So it's wow. not just something we're making up. The rainbow, extremely important. Why? Well, I think the rainbow over time has become a very important logo for unity for healing, for embracing communities of people yeah. that most people have wanted to ostracize and reject and cast away over time. Yeah. Can't do that anymore. And also the rainbow, get this, is also a powerful symbol among indigenous people we found out, among the rainbow warriors who want to bring back unity in the world to, to uh, bring out indigenous culture and knowledge to the world. Yeah. And that's where we, we birthed together, Jose and I, we birthed together I Love First Peoples yep. to focus on Indigenous populations. And now we're like the standard in Canada, been to over 90 fly-in remote communities alone to bring reconciliation among non-Indigenous Indigenous people. This is an important foundation to One Better World. Mm, yeah. What's also important today in Canada, as you may have been following the news, they've been uncovering a lot of children Yep. in residential school graves, yep. much like the traumas happened, of course, in New Zealand, Australia, and other parts of the world. Yep. And so we are now inundated with requests to be more involved in that space because they see us as a leader in that area. Again, move ahead in that area eight years ago when no one knew what reconciliation was. Today, it's real, and Canadians are supporting us to do practical things as a way of solutions don't talk about reconciliation. Mm. So Karen, we've been delivering sewing machines to Northern Arctic communities in the last two weeks. A sewing machine company, Janome, has uh, donated a whack of sewing machines worth $1,000 a piece. Wow. And, a, and a, uh, another company in the North, uh, and I don't mind mentioning them, Baffinland, have uh, committed to flying these machines up for free into these Northern communities, Pond Inlet, Iglulik or two of the communities uh, in, that, that were targeted uh, in Nunavut, Nunavut. 
And so right now we're able to bring these sewing machines into these schools that didn't even have one of them in some cases, but now they have at least some uh, sewing machines that they can reintroduce to kids so they can learn to sew the furs and the skins, which is such a big part of their culture. So how do you work reconciliation into a community? Practical solutions. Mm -hmm. So we're honored. We're honored to work with all of these communities among the Inuit and First Nations in Canada. And now we're planning to bridge that around the world as well. So that's another story. But the work we do with Indigenous people, the work we do with Indigenous people, reach the hearts of Better We, Better World in France. And Better We, Better World in France, and I think this is where you kind of came into One Better World with us, is that uh, Sophia and Koa founded Better We, Better World on the principles of kindness, mindfulness, and advancing the SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, of which the colors and the logo represent. And so um, they approached us because of our work with Indigenous people and said, you know, uh, we strongly believe in the importance of Indigenous culture and knowledge being released to the world and resurrected to the world in this time of trouble. And we see what you're doing. So we'd love to work with you to establish uh, Better We Better World in Canada. So we did that last February, um, just before uh, COVID. And uh, one of the things they asked me to do was like, because I'm the expert in events now, right? I was the guy that was sheepish and was afraid to do events. And over the years, I'm becoming... Ask Ian, he's the expert. So anyways, uh, you know, would you be able to do a global event? I said, okay, I haven't really done a global one yet, but hey, why not? Uh, could you do a global event, maybe like one in Paris, one in LA, one in New York? I said, what was this, five years from now? No, we want that by this October, last October. I'm like, wow, we got a budget? <laughs> anyway, so uh, October 2nd of, uh, of last year was the, the, the International Day of Nonviolence, as it is every year. They wanted these events for that day. So I kind of got into it and kind of went with my feet running because there was no time and started pulling all these, these names of people together. Then funny, everybody wanted to be a part of it. I thought, well, at least it's that, it's that easy. I'll keep going. Then COVID hit like literally uh, about three weeks after that, boom, everything got canceled, postponed. Uh, and then we had to rethink everything, but it was interesting because instead of just uh, one better world event, we thought, what can we do to have more impact yeah. and take advantage of this opportunity during COVID? So we started One Better World Collective, uh, not just to do events, but to try to localize the SDG, to try to localize doing good, to make doing good in the world happy and popular for everybody. Yeah. Children, preteens, teens, young, young adults, middle-aged, elderly people, didn't matter from what country, what age, get everybody together. But how do we do that? How can we do that, Karen? That was the kind of the question. Yeah. <clears throat> so our director of user experience came up with a brilliant idea to create an app, an SDG challenge challenge app, right? So I'm like, okay, what, what does that look like? So they describe what they're going to do. And the prototype is done now. I'm happy to say the prototype is actually done. It's an app where anybody in the world for example, Australia, Victoria, Melbourne, Sydney, you, you do a challenge one through 17 with zero poverty, zero hunger, gender equality, um, workplace equity, uh, inclusion, whatever you want, whatever topic you want to cover that it was, in, it was in the, within the 17 SDGs, you launch your challenge, people can study the metrics of it, they can jump on board, be a part of it, see its uh, expiration date or an open-ended date. So imagine reality tv on doing good brilliant not only is it brilliant but the the app has been done it's created i've seen it it's it's outstanding and so we're going to be beta testing this thing soon with all the liaisons that are now around the world in one better world collective doing incredible things where they can then test it they can share it in their communities in their cities get all this fervor and excitement going and then we'll officially launch it in the late fall so that's in a nutshell how indigenous people affect, affected uh, I Love First Peoples, which became a foundational piece for One Better World Collective. So within One Better World Collective, the thematic point for me uh, is always to embrace and elevate indigenous culture and knowledge. 
Well, yes, long story, but I tell you what, I love your stories. No, because they always got a they always got a little hint of magic in them, and and not only that, this whole underlying core of pure love, just this pure love underneath them, and and one love. Yep. And your core values too, um, One Better World Collective, I love mindfulness, activation and universal responsibility. And I just, um, you know, do you think these four core values are collectively missing in humanity or, or, or that they need some particular attention to elevate them? I think, I think they were well chosen by, you know, our, our core team for a reason. And I think they have been lacking over time, as you probably yeah. are well aware of. Uh, in in society as a whole, but you know, and I think you're discovering this as I am, and I, I'm so excited because you know Gen Z and Gen Alpha. Oh my God, they they just they make my day every day when they get a chance to speak to them. Anybody who's a preteen or a teen today is so on that page. You don't have to talk to them about kindness or mindfulness. I mean, it's just part of the fabric of who they are. So I think the future generations really understand the importance of that. And I think part of what One Better World is trying to do uh, is focus on them a lot. Uh, and we met another one today from, uh, from Bangladesh. And uh, wow, I mean, she's a 15 year old. And <laughs> one of those 15 year olds, Karen, that you just sit there and you go, you know, you're making me feel bad. You know what I mean? Like you're doing so much. Like, I mean, you want to take over the organization, I'll give you a one better world. I mean, <laughs> you know, my goodness, you're turning the country and city inside out. So, um, but it's just so inspiring and exciting to see the pages that they're on. They're so far ahead. When we were teenagers, come on, right? So, um, yeah, I think the business world is changing too. I think there's a switch to kindness, mindfulness, sustainability. Yeah. Um, I'm encouraged to see that happening in the business sectors. Um, another uh, little plug here for Good for Global, but uh, my better half, Jose, is launching Good for Global shortly. She's been doing a lot of work with uh, CEOs and employees recently as kind of a ramp up to the launch of, the, of Good for Global, which is based on the mindfulness kindness aspect, uh, but for the business world. So uh, SMEs, small and middle-sized uh, businesses, yeah. how to incorporate their uh, influence on their employees in how they purchase, what they do with their money in terms of being good in the community, and then also having that network, the Good for Global network around the world, uh, allowing transparency for you and I to go in and see if we want to buy something, purchase something, be involved, check out the company, what are they doing? Oh yeah, I'd rather buy from this person or that person yeah. because they're doing this. So mm. a lot of cool stuff is happening in that space, but I'll stop with that answer because again, that's a elongated answer. <laughs> and, and you can't steal Jose's thunder because I'm going to uh, interview her <laughs> in the near future because she's got her own story as well. And so we're not going to let you steal her thunder, but I absolutely love, I love what you're doing. So so you've said one of, one of your quotes is transformation of the heart and mind is key to achieving the SDGs. Tell us more about your thoughts behind that. Did I say that? Okay. Oh, um, I think you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it really is. Uh, until I understood who I was, until my heart was transformed uh, through the experience of meeting Mother Teresa and other things in life, uh, until I was at peace with who I am, I wasn't able to be anything else. So number one is transforming your own heart. Uh, and, then, and then with a transformed heart, you can then work heart to heart with others in creating a transformation in their lives and also in their space within their own community. So I think the heart to heart relationship uh, is the most important one for us uh, where there's unconditional love and respect uh, and honor for everyone uh, and listening and just figuring out stuff together. But yeah. it starts in it starts in your own heart. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm a bit of a hugger and COVID has kind of given me a bit of a, you know, <laughs> you stop yeah. hugging people, Karen. Yeah, 
but um you know i i truly believe that you know hugs are where the hugs are where the souls meet you know and the hearts and souls and i i truly believe that if you embrace you know just for three seconds you can actually feel that person and connect with that person and i i think that's a that's massive it's really is so when you're talking about the sustainable development goals you know which is which is of course put together by the un to try and you know as a, as a goal for 2030 to try and uh, just try and help the planet you know because god forbid you know we should keep going on the path that we're going <laughs> because there's not mm-hmm. going to be a yeah. planet but if we ignore the well this is a question for you but if we ignore the sdgs and continue to live as we are you know, or ha- as we have been, um, what do you think the likely outcome is for the for humanity and the planet? Yeah, I, I don't think that's that's a good outcome. Um, I don't, you know, have a firm timeline in my mind. Uh, there is a critical mass uh, on from now to 2030 in terms of environment. I think the climate crisis is there for a reason. I think a lot of people are focused on that, and rightly so. I can't say that that's where I spend all my time because I'm looking at all of the SDGs which deal with poverty and hunger, gender equality, you know, the environment, uh, underwater, above above land and everything else. So there's a lot of different factors involved in that. But um, I believe that, that we need to work as one. We need to be focused on bringing what's working now together with others and not to reinvent the wheel. And that's been kind of our, our MO, I guess, for, for One Better World Collective is not to try to reinvent stuff, but to find the people that are doing amazing things, collaborate with them, and expedite some of the answers. And we've been able, in, in one short year, Karen, to, to see blood cell cancer research projects uh, on the rise. We've been seeing uh, projects focused on rebuilding uh, the coral reef system. Great Barrier Reef in Oceana is, is two areas and a film, documentary film on wildlife and, and, uh, and nature attached to that with somebody from, uh, from Australia, yep. Jackie Paul. Jackie, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then uh, there's others in other parts of the world that are also focused on underwater and above water, getting plastic out of the oceans, you know, uh, figuring out ways to uh, repopulate uh, wildlife. Uh, the big thing in Australia, of course, and other parts of the world where we've seen extinction of animals. There's another ex-Australian, believe it or not, again, uh, Dr. Natalie Schmidt, who you should have on your show sometime. She's a real inspiration. Yeah. And Natalie, um, my goodness, you know, she's got a, a technology, a wild, a wild tech uh, DNA that is working on um, helping protect extinction of animals. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fantastic, right? A technology that actually works that you can do that. And so I'm excited to be able to see the launch of that. And we're working with her on that, actually. And so, um, goodness, you know, we can't sit around and wait. We got to work with those people that are doing some incredible things, collaborate and start to see, you know, solutions that start to unravel within days or weeks automatically, rather than waiting for years in business meetings you know, talking about it, nothing ever happening. So today's a day of action. I think young people, as I mentioned before, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, these guys are riding the wave. They're leading the way. They're motivators. You know, they're the evangelists of today for tomorrow. And these guys never get off their, (laughs) off their soapbox. I mean, they're going at it. They're, they're, They're getting the message out there and they're motivating and they don't have any filter. You know what I mean? Like they're just, I mean, I listen to somebody today and they're, they're just giving it to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm on your side. I'm on your team. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, you know. But I mean, I can imagine them before a politician or a CEO yeah. and a multinational, they'd be shaking in their chairs saying, yeah, yeah, I got to do something, you know. So I think we're, we're, we're in a good place. I think I'm encouraged to see uh, the effect that young people are having. And we're yeah. going to try and facilitate their voice more and more and more. Yeah. Yes, and you do. And so if anybody listening or watching, you know, that that Ian has with One Better World Collective uh, interviews, 
you know, joins, gets gets people to come on Zoom, all, all these amazing people from all around the world. And you can, anyone can join, you know, it's on LinkedIn. If you connect with Ian on LinkedIn, you can see all these great events coming up. I, I don't get to do a lot because a lot of 3 a.m. in the morning for me, but, um, you know, it depends where you are in the world. You can join in and listen. And these are young movers and shakers, not all young, but everybody's just doing incredible things. And you really become encouraged, you know, that there are so many great people in the world doing great stuff. Personally, I think that the um, SDGs, I, I can't even, it, it just sort of dumbfounds me. I know we have to do it, but it dumbfounds me that we are even in a position where we have to make make all these rules and make all these plans for good. I mean, I can't see why we just can't use common sense and and just be decent people. Do you know, yeah. it, it's it's beyond me that we, so many of us are working so frigging hard, you know, to to yeah. just bring common sense to the table. And it, anyway, it, it drives me insane, but it has to be done or else we're going to be down the doom hole and uh, that's the end of it. But now I want to ask you about the Dalai Lama because, you know, you're talking before about Mother oh. Teresa and, yeah. you know, if there's two... <laughs> You just didn't get Gandhi, but you know, you or Martin Luther <laughs> King, but you know, time, time was of the essence there. But you know, you got um, Mother Teresa uh, to a to a big a big event. But you also just recently organised the Dalai Lama, and I was so I, I was moved to tears when you invited me to be part of that, and I I literally just burst into tears because I was so overwhelmed with one one that that you know i was seen to be deserving to be there that was the first part but secondly was that you know i would be in that space in that amazing energetic space for the dalai lama so you brought 13 change makers uh, to ask the Dalai Lama on an intimate Zoom, you know, for guidance about how to move forward in the world or what his thoughts were. Why, why did you decide on the Dalai Lama? What, what, what was it that went in your mind and you said, oh, I've got to get the Dalai Lama? What happened? Most people wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of that had to do, Karen, with our relationship with Better We Better World and Sophia knowing him personally. So, I think we had a little bit of an upper hand and a kind of a, a backdoor policy that would be a little easier to get him on board than, than yeah. others. I, I should say that, you know, funny story, I just I'll throw this in there for whatever it's worth, but, uh, and this is not to slant this man I'm going to mention because I, I, I love him and his voice is incredible. But Andrea Bocelli, the famous Italian tenor, yeah. uh, he was asked as one of the, the global change makers, right, for this event. But his brother, Federico, was like um, sending me an email. He says, would it be possible uh, if you could change the time? And let's be honest, for me personally, it wasn't the best time anyways. In Canada, it was like, a, was it 1130 at night? And, and for people in Europe that were on the call, it was, four in the, it was four in the morning. So for him, it was four o'clock in the morning. And I get that. But I wasn't going to ask the Dalai Lama. Right. Yeah to change the time. It just, just wasn't cool. So uh, again, I love Andrea and I think it's a funny piece and we'll have him involved in something else in the future. But I'll tell you when that guy sings, not only do I get goosebumps, but I get tears every single time. Yeah. That guy's voice is from another planet. Yeah. Anyways, the Dalai Lama, that's why he was the, the central figure because of Sophia. Now the global change makers, that was a bit of a different thing. We had to find the proper blend and mix of mm. backgrounds uh, and, and influencers from different parts of the world. And so we had as young as Raheen Fatima yeah. there, of course, from, uh, from Pakistan, the 13 year old. I don't know if you've seen her recently, but she's doing interviews with everybody. Yes. Yeah, so like I she's been doing like the new, the new Johnny Carson in the U S or something out there in Pakistan <laughs> interviews. She's done over 500 interviews. I'm like, what? Oh, but anyways, wow. so uh, she was one of them, as you know, and as you remember, but uh, there were so many others and there were three indigenous leaders that we had purposely invited yeah. to that, including Massey White Knife. And my God, I mean, that guy's got so much to share. I'd love you to have him on and get off the bench sometime. Oh, he's he's coming. We had him booked in and he had a family crisis. So he'll, he will be, on. He oh, will be on. 
I'm I'm so happy I'm so happy to hear yeah, that. Coming. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's got incredible stuff to share. Yeah. But um that's why the Dalai Lama, that that's why he was chosen. Um yeah. <laughs> no. Connection. Connection. It's still like, can we get him? Yes, let's give it a go. You know, and I think we play small way too often, you know, and we think that no one's going to pay attention to me and I I that's too big for me. I can't go and do that. But it's surprising how many people agree to things and how many things can be done if you just put your best foot forward and give it a go. You know, and sure you're going to get tons of no's. But if you crack that yes, you would never have cracked it if you didn't put your best foot no. forward and give it a go. That's so. that's true, Karen. I should also say one thing regarding that event. If anybody hasn't seen it, you can go to onebetterworld.org and select event and you can actually watch it. But um, when we were organizing the event and I was talking to the, the, His Holiness's office, the Dalai Lama's office, uh, to his chief organizer, uh, we were going over who's going to be saying what in the schedule of the event. I, I still said at that time, well, I'm not going to be on that because I don't need to be on that. It's not about me. So we'll have and Jose can speak or we'll have, you know, Sophia speak. I'm fine with that, really. So I still did that. And the organizers like, no, you need to be on that. Your voice needs to be heard. You're the one that organizes and put this together. I'm like, bang. All right, step in line, boy. You got to take over again. So <laughs> I tried to get out of that. Even there, I tried to get out of that one. But no, got thrown back in the mix. But you see, if they see that you, you don't want the exposure and you don't want to be seen, they see that for what it really is. And they say, that's why you're going to be in there. And I feel good about it that way. I don't yeah. feel like I elbowed my way in to make yeah. this our thing. Well, well, it was an incredible event and I just, you, you know, I, I still I still get the buzzers inside, you know, thinking about that. I saw the Dalai Lama in um, in Melbourne at a big venue. You know, I don't know what there was, probably mm. 40,000 people there. And that in its, that was fantastic. But to be on yes. a Zoom that was so intimate, it was, the energy yeah. was actually even more powerful, even though it was coming yeah. through screen. It was, you know, you can't, when people have got that kind of energy, it travels. It just, it's, it's magical. And, and I'm so proud too, by the way, I must say this to be an Australian liaison for um, One Better World Collective. And it just, wow. you know, when people like you recognize what people like me have got to give and to offer the world, it's, that's, wow. that's way better than awards or anything like that. You know, that, that to be, to be recognized as a change maker and, and a leader in the, the space of making a better world is just, I, I can't ask for anything better than that. You know, that, that's, that's the ultimate for me to be recognized in that space. Well, Karen, you're, you're a really important voice uh, and, and heart in your own country. And, you know, it's, it's not just about Australia. It is about the world. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I don't know too many people that I trust like I trust you and, and know that when you talk and you share, uh, it does come from your heart and it does come from years of learning the hard way. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, <laughs> you know, a diamond, uh, a diamond takes a while to, to get its form, but, um, no, I think you're a real diamond in the rough for many people. And I, I, I believe that uh, that light that shines from the diamond comes from different angles. And that prism is pretty powerful and it has quite an amazing color to it, I might add. <laughs> and uh, and so, um, you know, I think that that light, the rainbow light, too, is needs to needs to shine a little brighter around the world. And I, I'm so happy and proud to know you and and just your transparency and honesty. And well, you know, that's. That's what makes a leader, and and we're just we're so happy and excited to to have you, and it brings me to tears just talking and sharing this because you know when you're connected like this doesn't matter how far apart you are, I mean, and everybody who knows you will just you know they're saying yes, Ian, because they know who you are, and uh, you know I'm just so happy to be able to be working with you and and to bring you into the, the bigger picture to meet other wonderful people as well. Yeah. So thank you so much for for being a liaison. And, and doing what you do, don't ever stop. You're making me cry. Stop it. <laughs> uh, I won't ever stop because it's just not possible. It's not possible to stop, you know, that stuff. And 
we're, we're nearly we're nearly to the end because this is just this hour's gone so fast and I absolutely love sharing time with you. Um, how? Yeah, likewise. <laughs> Thank you so much. How can we as um, humans do a better job in recognizing, accepting all people, cultures, differences? Oh, how do you think we can just do better at that? You know, that's um, that's something that you and I both um, have taken years to understand. <laughs> Mm. Uh, being, being young in, in our environment, uh, you know, we're taught to think a certain way and be a certain way. Um, you know, it didn't come to me overnight, although the spark to understanding how to accept people of all races, colors, and backgrounds, it started at the age of eight. And so uh, when I was bullied as a young child in school, which I didn't mention before, um, I was bullied for being good. I was bullied for having a good heart. <laughs> sounds kind of strange, but, and so, you know, I knew that I was right. I knew that that was the right thing to do, but that people just weren't on that page. Mm-hmm. I didn't judge them. I wasn't angry. I was sad, but wasn't angry. And I didn't become bitter. Um, I think learning to accept people for who they are. You don't know the situation they've been through. You don't know how bad it's been or how good or whatever. You just don't know about people's backgrounds, what's really in their heart. So you have to accept people for who they are and be willing to listen to their story. And I think for me, the biggest thing in accepting people and not judging uh, them by their color or, or religion or, or uh, you know, their personal lifestyle belief or any of these things, it was just to listen to them and be able to embrace their story. And if they were suffering and were sharing the suffering, to be willing to go into that place of suffering with them. And that's not an easy thing. You and I both know yeah. that that's not an easy thing because it's painful and it, it, we, we take it personally. But I think the key is to go into someone's story, to take it personally, to allow yourself the privilege, really it is, mm. to go into that suffering and to walk with that person where they're at and say, look, I know it's bad. I know that you're in pain. I know that maybe this was an unforgivable thing, but I'm willing to walk in there with you. Let's figure out a way of dealing with this so that that the hearts can heal, you know, and that you can move forward into the place where the person is calling you. Because mm. every person, every single person on this planet has a purpose. Yeah. I, I've never believed that there's only certain people in certain categories that, that earn that. No, everybody in this planet has a purpose and our job, my job is to make sure that whatever it is, I can help some small way to get them on that path. And if Mm -hmm. I can do that in a small way, I'm the happiest guy in the planet. And I think that's the message that everybody needs to hear. And that's the message that we all need to be practicing together. It's that, that kind of like the competition's over, forget the competition. It's about how can I help another person succeed on their journey and how can I make them feel seen and feel heard and feel valuable? And it's yeah. it's not that hard to do. I mean, sure, there's pain, but if we just continue to ignore other people and say it's not my problem, to, you know, and, and compete with them, yeah. step on them to grow, that doesn't work. And it's we've proven that. We've proven that over the last few decades that that kind of stuff doesn't work, you know, and when we do work together and we do support each other to grow, that's where the magic happens and that's where we all feel fantastic. And it's if I can share one quick story yeah, as an yeah. example example to encourage it encourages me to, to share it and I know it'll encourage the listeners. Um, so as you know, I, I did a lot of work among indigenous people in the north and Canada. And part of that was to tour a couple of films uh, by by major companies that were to release to major theaters, but they are based on indigenous stories. And they had asked us, uh, because of our work with indigenous communities, if we'd be honored to take the film and screen it to indigenous communities first in the north of our country before it went to the theaters. So one of the movies was called The Grizzlies. Uh, It's not about bears, actually. The Grizzlies are a lacrosse team. uh, a field lacrosse team uh, from Kogluktuk Nunavut in the north of Canada. Now that sounds crazy because there's ice and snow up there. <laughs> Who's going to play lacrosse up there? But the reason for it's a true story. The reason it happened uh, was because a young teacher from Saskatchewan in Western Canada went up north to Nunavut 
to get an easy job and get lots of money because the government was paying lots of money and the school system was. So he went up there, but what he didn't know was that he ran into a suicide crisis 50 times higher than the national average. Wow. I mean, he was losing kids in his class by the week. And uh, he turned to alcohol as, as his substance, uh, you know, to deal with that. And uh, that didn't help. And so he thought, what can I do? I know how to play lacrosse. So he started a lacrosse team up there, you know, and it took a lot of hard work, but the kids eventually got into it. And there you go. They started, you know, with a purpose. They can do something, achieve something. They actually made it to the national championships as a lacrosse team from Nunavut, right, who actually won a couple of games there. Unbelievable, true story. But the key of where, for me personally, where it touches me is I got to tour the film to these communities and get to meet the people, yeah. to see their stories, the, the pain and the suffering, but the joy uh, of knowing that this sport changed their community. Yeah. And then also uh, one of the, the guys I travel with, uh, Hyper T, he's an Inuit hip hop artist. Yeah. So he, he raps in Inuktitut in English. And, and hype was like, just a great, just a great young guy. And I'm like, your music's fantastic. And then he starts sharing a story. I mean, this guy has been through, you know, horrible, horrible backgrounds, losing many of his family members to suicide. Yet he wanted to turn that sorrow into joy, like writing music as a source of encouragement uh, mm -hmm. to the youth in, in Inuit communities. And so um, he's just an example of someone that can turn a situation around and make a career out of his life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, we've had incredible times together. He's like a, he's like a son to me. And uh, you know, I'm just so blessed to know this guy because he has taught me so much about just being happy with what you have. You know, you just be happy to be alive and to be able to help people doesn't matter what your background is. And I encourage people to listen to his music. And I, I managed him for a while and got him gigs everywhere because I just want to encourage the guy. How can you not want to do that? So I thought I'd just share that. Just throw that one in there. No, I love you. I love your stories, but it's it's kind of reminds me of Emmanuel Jal, you know, from um Yes, uh, yes. Sudan. You know, I think it was from Sudan. Yeah, he's from Sudan. And the same thing being a child soldier, you know, and going through all that and then turning it into music and you know and yes. becoming an advocate for for world peace. And I think that um yes, there are people who suffer incredibly and you can you've got sort of two choices haven't you you know to to sit and suffer in that pain or to say well I'm going to turn this into something that's actually going to help other people and heal myself at the same time and you know there's some so many great stories out there of people yeah. who have turned tragedy into advocacy for something you know and and changed a lot of lives because other people feel seen and other people feel like well hey I've been through that and then maybe there is hope at, at the end of, yeah, light at the end of the rainbow in Ian's front yard you know that sort of stuff yeah uh, yeah so so everybody get off the bench get <laughs> off the bench you can help someone today I know you can do it yeah. Well, that comes to my very last question, Ian, so, which, of course, this podcast, I ask everyone, this podcast is Get Off the Bench, you know, to help uh, inspire people to take action. So there's a lot of people who think they can't make a difference, you know, because I'm only one person. What can I do? Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's really troubled by one or more of the issues addressed by the STGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, but feels they have little to offer? What advice would you give them to get going? Give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> give me a call. I'll have some advice for you. No, I mean, seriously, contact us. We've, we've got room for everybody in the world to get active in one of the SDGs. I mean, if you've got a burden for poverty, you want to see no poverty in the world and no hunger, whatever it is that, that really that gets you going and gets you off the bench to action. I mean, there's so much you can do. There's so many organizations doing incredible things around the world. I'll be the first to connect you in any one of these areas. Just contact us, email me. I'll be glad to connect you where you can have a wonderful time meeting people like Karen yeah. And me, if you like me by now or don't like me, whatever, that's, that's your problem. But then and we can connect you to all these incredible people around the world 
and we can activate you in any one of the SDG related options. Oh, that is fantastic. And please do that because Ian is serious about that. So, so I am. And there is always something we can do, even if it's just the tiniest little thing. Every step in the right direction is a step towards the solution. You know, if we ignore it, we're helping the problem. So let's just keep moving. Now, where can people find you? Because I've got a stack of things here. You want me to read them out or are you going to read them out? Where's the best place to get you? <laughs> I can't tell you where I am because if I tell you, they're going to come after me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, that that was good. I, I made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, as long as I'm laughing, we're good. So um, you you can always email me. That's E-N-I-A-N at onebetterworld.org. Uh, that's the best way to contact me by email or on LinkedIn. I'm there as well. Uh, on LinkedIn, you'll find me. And uh, that's I've been doing my business there almost every day. I've been uh, very, very uh, encouraged to see the amazing people on LinkedIn. That's yeah. not a plug for them. I'm not trying to do that on purpose, but I'm just saying it's it's been incredible uh, over the last year, especially. So, um, but that's that's the best way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so the the um, website is onebitterworld.org. And I've also got ilovefirstpeoples.ca. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of this stuff in the in the show notes, a whole lot of collect, um, connections to Insta, Twitter, Facebook, to the websites, and to your LinkedIn. And I really encourage people to, you know, connect with Ian because, like, you know, on LinkedIn, there are so many great people, but Ian is sharing all these great people and celebrating everything they're doing, you know, all the time. And he's such a great support of people. And, you know, just one of those um, cheerleaders and champions just sitting in your yes. corner, pushing you along. And we, the world needs more of you. <laughs> the world needs more of you. You are just... I, I love you dearly with all my heart and you know I do and it's a genuine pure love I just am so grateful that we cross paths and just so grateful and and that was by just by fluke I commented on something on LinkedIn and Ian you know reached out and connected and we've you've changed you've just changed so much for me and you know and given me so much of a wow. boost and you're just wonderful just wonderful well I, I think it's mutual Karen um, you've done so much for me. In, in, in a short time, we've known each other. It seems we've known each other for a lifetime, but yeah, uh, it's that's what it's all about. It's it's that pure love, heart to heart, uh, that 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 can change each other, and and just respecting who we are. And you know, there's no competition with me and you, and nor should there be with anybody else. And I think if we all can have that attitude, uh, we're going to be so much farther along the path of making the world a better place. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time and your stories. I love your stories. I could listen to you all day. So when I come to visit, I'm going to have to have <laughs> tons of coffee to stay awake for <laughs> all of your stories. But you're just you're just a, a wonderful human being. The world is so lucky to have you. I'm so lucky to have you in my life. And my listeners are so lucky to have been able to listen to you for the past hour. You're just you're just a pure gem. So thank you so 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 much for giving up your time and joining us. Thank you. No, it, it's it's been a thank you, Karen. True honor and privilege. And for everyone who's listening, I love you just the same. By the way, I don't know you yet, <laughs> but I'll yeah. probably get to know you. And and you you're just you. I know if you if you know Karen and hang with her, then you're you're my type of person. So <laughs> love you just the same. Oh, thank you so much. All right, we'll chat again soon. Thank you. All right, take care. Yeah. Oh, guys. That was great. And I'll tell you, I love Ian's stories and I love, I love his heart. I truly do. The, the fact that he just brings so much humility and love and kindness and an open heart to everything he does. And, and look at the miracles he, he creates, like Mother Teresa, the Dalai Lama, like, and, and he's, he's bringing the world together to actually make a difference. And focusing on humanity is just such, it's, it's such an important thing at the moment. 
moment. But I reckon that just goes to show that when your heart is in the right place and you're focused on the right thing and you really are doing what means something to you, you know, magic happens and the world becomes a better place. And if you really do want to do something about any of the sustainable development goals, which you can find them easily by Googling or on the UN website, um, Ian was serious about contacting him to connect you with anyone around the world that's doing incredible things in that space that you could be a part of. So I'm going to put all of the uh, links, all of the website, Twitter, Facebook, all of that stuff in the show notes. So if you want to click on any of that, please do. And I'll also put his email in there as well. I really hope you've loved that. I hope you can see, hope it's inspired you to see that uh, when you believe in something and when you truly step into your space and truly step into your authenticity, incredible things happen. So I hope it's inspired you to believe that you too can do that. And I, I think this world's fantastic when we're all working on the same page for a positive tipping point. That's what I think. Anyway, again, thank you so much for joining me this week. And I will see you next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.